It started with realizing that I grew up in a family system with a certain culture and a certain way of being, certain expectations, right? And then that kind of just goes from there. My parents also grew up in a family culture. Their parents also grew up in a family culture. And then those families were developed in their own culture, in their own cities, in their own towns, in their own nation, right? Yeah. And so for me, it just be, it's like, oh, like literally everything is a system. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Dig New Streams podcast. I'm your host, Dave Capozzi. This week, I welcome my new friend, Sam, known as Dope Dad on TikTok. Sam is someone who's in the process of deconstructing all the things. Whiteness, Christianity, misogyny, patriarchy, you name it, he's deconstructing it. And he's doing it in vulnerable ways that invite other men to go on their own healing journey as well. If you want to keep up with the podcast... Subscribe to whatever platform you're using to listen right now. You can find a consistent conversation happening on TikTok if you search for my name, Dave Capozzi, and on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Dig New Streams Podcast. Without further ado, my conversation with Dope Dad. I found it really interesting the stuff you produce which is like about misogyny patriarchy like therapy mm-hmm. i'm just like how, how and why because yeah. it, it doesn't it doesn't happen that often like where where does that come from yeah so when i first got on tiktok it was because it was a social media platform that my family was not on right and yeah and it, i just needed like I verbally process, I, I I love talking with people about almost anything. I later found out that's because I'm autistic and I can hyperfixate on things and I can pick up all these special interests. And I learned that I was autistic on the app. Wow. <laughs> like it was, oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. It was it was too many people being like, hey, you know, like politely asking. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I have bigger fish to fry right now. And then <laughs> and then when I started connecting with people, uh, you know, whether online or on Discord, they were also autistic. It was like, why are these conversations easier? Right. Like like in yeah. And then um, and actually my partner who I met on TikTok, it was oh wow. Yeah, we had a Zoom meeting and we were talking, and I was like, this is when I was like kind of wrestling with that I may be autistic. And I'll go back to your original question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to do this trail. And then I was watching them on the Zoom do all the things that people have pointed out with my mannerisms. I'm like, gotcha. Huh, this is interesting. And and they're formally diagnosed. So they were they were just like, Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the tism. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, so 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 it was it was really, really and he, so even that right like so you know yes is part the part of deconstruction that i don't think people talk about a lot is the recontextualization you have to do mm. once you once you realize certain things so once i realized i was autistic it's like yeah. oh wow my life now has a different flavor to it now has a different context to it because now i understand why you know maybe i'm jumping ahead why in the pentecostal church uh it appealed to me so much right oh uh, yeah Absolutely. That makes so much sense. How long ago did you sort of become aware of the fact that you are on the autism spectrum? It was, it was probably about two years ago. Okay. um, I've been, I've been on TikTok about three years and then that allowed me to circle back. So like I was going through a divorce 
uh, of my ex, uh, you know, my, uh, we were together six years. We had five kids together. Mm. We, we were actually raising seven kids cause we had at the time custody of, uh, our nieces, her, her brother's kids. And so, wow. uh, without going into too much detail, there was like a lot of family trauma that happened. A lot of just stuff that some, some was our choosing, some was our fault and some, completely was just things that happened to us. Yeah. And so, and so I've described it as kind of like, uh, you know, we fell into this hole and not all of us got out. So yeah. well. at, at one point, um, without, you know, I'm not going to spill my egg. If you go scroll way back, you'll see me talk more about the details, but we're, we're not going to do that here because yeah. I'm, I'm personally over it. But yeah. Uh, but lo and behold, I started going to therapy. Uh, her name is LaShonda Sugg, Labors of Love. You can look her, look him up. And she's incredible. She has a podcast and uh, mm. she's, she's, and I don't know what it was that clicked with LaShonda. I remember our first meeting and she basically just explained like how we learn to cope, right? Like in, yeah. and how we fall back to these patterns and how, you know, she's like, so honestly, like most of the times it's not our trauma, it's our parents' trauma. And for some reason, the way she explained it, it just clicked in my head. Yeah. And, yes. then, and then I was like, uh, I was like, okay, this lady could tell me, she's Jesus Christ returned. <laughs> and I would be like, I'd be like, yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably. Yep. Like, so, so, and I really think I said something on a video not too long ago that like, I think the greatest thing about LaShonda is that because she's a black woman, like her perspective is so different than mine. Yeah. And she was able to kind of gently push that into our sessions. And that's like what began this kind of expansion in, in wow. like my thinking and my thought process. And it started with realizing that I grew up in a family system with a certain culture and a certain way of being certain expectations. Right. And then that kind of just goes from there. My parents also grew up in a family culture. Their parents also grew up in a family culture. And then those families were developed in their own culture, in their own cities, in their own towns, in their own nation. Right. Mm. And so for me, it just be, it's like, Oh, like literally everything is a system. Yes. And yes. then, and then eventually uh, long story short, then it's like, okay, well, there's my church system. What did my, if my church system is a child like me, what family did it grow up in? And yes. that was white supremacy, patriarchy, yes. capitalism, imperialism. And then, and then, uh, you know, for me, it was just that from there. It was like literally, like, oh, okay. And then I, I noticed you, you're really good at doing this in your videos when you kind of explain to people. And, I'm, and I wonder if you had the same experience where like maybe before I was the type of person like, yeah, racism's bad. This is horrible, yeah. right? And you could see the overt things, but you couldn't see the covert forms of racism. And then as you start deconstructing and you start an anti-racism journey in your deconstructing, like you said at the, the top, like it just has to go there. If you're really yes. going to deconstruct, you're going to hit into, you're going to run headfirst into whiteness. Or yes. And, um, and, and like, and on that journey, it was just like, oh, and then I started hearing all the dog whistles, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> and, you can't then, not hear them. Right. And so they're everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so now it's like, oh my gosh, like this person just said the most sideways shit yes. I've ever heard. Yes, exactly. But, but then coupled with the understanding that they don't know that they said shy, sideways shit and they don't even really know where it came from. Exactly. You know I mean? That's, so, yeah. that's so interesting. So what I caught, and thank you for sharing that when you're low and you're open to, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and uh, that's a different thing for a white man in this country. And then also this sort of, I don't know if it was like a happy accident or if you 
intentionally sought a black woman as a therapist, mm-hmm. but that just like busts everything open. Right. So right. that like trajectory of being at a place where you can hear it, of being like confronted with someone who's going to ask you questions that if you had a white guy as a therapist or even a white woman, they're not going right. to ask the same questions or push you in the same ways. Right. Like th- those ways of becoming aware of everything. It's like the matrix thing, you know, yeah. it's like you saw everything and you couldn't unsee it. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, well, even my deconstruction as a Christian went from being Pentecostal to mm. becoming a Calvinist and then a Calvinist. <laughs> that makes that I do. That makes so much sense, Sam, because I was a Pentecostal. Then I went everywhere. Baptist, Nazarene, you name it. And then in, in a Christian school, I was in a, I had, I actually had my philosophy, philosophy professor on the podcast. And I told him this, I was in his class and he was talking about love and he's like, God is love. And I was like, oh my goodness, I've never heard this. <laughs> I grew up in the church my whole life. Right, right, right. And then I go home the weekend after, and this Calvinist guy is there with my dad, who was a preacher. And he's like, oh, you're no, we're puppets in God's hands. And he's like laying out the Romans thing for me. Like, yeah, of, of how, or whatever yeah, yeah. Like, um, and I'm like, Oh man, I, I, how could I have missed this? So I get it. The security of going from like the wildness of Pentecostalism mm-hmm. to Calvinism, which is very logical. Yeah. It makes so much sense, especially someone on the autism spectrum. Right. Calvinism would make a lot of sense. Right. And, and so like, even growing up in the church, like, like I was really good and, and I still haven't even really figured this out. Was this like part of my autism mask? Right. Like, yeah. A, so like as an autistic person, like you're prone to black and white thinking, right. Then yeah. a church comes in and says it is this way and not that way. That's very comforting. And, and I just like, I don't know if you ever heard of the Enneagram. I'm a one. So it's like, it like, like I'm prone to perform. I'm prone to be the good kid. I'm prone. What, what are you for? Is that what I'm you for? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. And so, um, and then you late, and then later I learned on TikTok that like, uh, oh, black and white thinking is part of white supremacy culture. So I don't want to do that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Man, it all intersects. Yeah. Well, I actually what? go, I go to uh, strength when I'm in strength, I go to one. So that's kind of like, yeah, you I do. meet you. Yeah. Yeah, that's there's so much there. So when you were in Calvinism, were you still a Christian um, when you were going through divorce? Yeah, and and I would still. Someone said this. I don't go live too often, but someone said this on a live when I was talking about it, and I was like, you know, like I haven't thrown baby Jesus out with the bathwater. Yep. Yep. Right. Like in and they were and they said something that was like very comforting. They said faith is still valid. Right. Like and. And what I like, I've even had this talk with um, the pastor of the church that I'm still affiliated with, but I haven't been in like a year and a half. And I was just like, man, I just don't know, like, if people are actually safe in church, right? Like, so if, if the church, which like, not you guys specifically, but there are people that maybe could lean that way and fall into a pipeline, but the church at large in America is a safe place for white supremacy. That means it's for me because I don't want to be near it. Yes. And like, and it was really disheartening to see um, Christian leaders that I thought were, you know, above reproach to use a, a, like, like the Christian terminology, right. That were consistent in the way that they taught that, 
you know, seem to apply this logic to the Bible, all of a sudden vote for Donald Trump and endorse him. And it's like this, this, you know, and so that's where my autism, uh, in a way, saved me, because it's like, this is not consistent with, even in the Pentecostal church or in the Calvinistic church, anything I've been told about how Christian ethics should work, how Jesus lives and breathes and, and inspires us to be our, to be our example and our savior and all these different things. So it's like, it like, so then it was like, okay, you know, the, the curtain was pulled and I saw the man behind the curtain, so to speak. And it's just like, like, you know, I love, like, so I told my pastor, I was like, I love you. I get you guys. I know you guys get me. Uh, I hear you challenging these issues. I wish it was a bit louder. I wish you'd just be like, if you if any of these ideologies are something on your radar, like we, we can't, you know. And, yes. and so it's it's really tough as Christian leaders that I've respected have like literally fallen off. There's like one that I listen mm. to anymore. Wow. And and it's only when I catch them on my feet, like I don't yeah. even seek it out. And um, and so it's just like it makes no sense to me that the church hasn't come out with a unified voice and been like racism no we're we're working on this right like we really need to confront this i and even like i remember during the super bowl like when uh that he gets us like they paid the million dollars for that and stuff like that and so i went look through their website and it's and it's just trying to be like yeah the church has problems but jesus understands And, and that's fine but it's also like but but the cancer's in it's in the it house, is it is right? it's it's a bait and switch and i don't right. and i think you and i know this in a way that i'm not sure everyone is willing to give charity to the church for mm-hmm. that people in within the institution they're sweet they're they're trying to be the things that you just mentioned yep and they're not aware of the system they're part of they're not aware of imperial christianity and how it fed into all this stuff. they're not aware of those things right. and so it's not like these people are evil and they're trying to do harm to us i even think that many of the people that are you know as a pastor who is a church planter with other evangelical church pastors they're not bad people <laughs> like they're not jerks who are trying to like manipulate you and mm-hmm. it many of the people that i knew not not all but many <laughs> and i think it's important that we recognize that we're all just trying to figure out our lot in life. Right. And, and often we're not like, we do get confronted with certain things that can open new doors, but we walk past those. Um, and that's why I'm so intrigued by you because this whole, like your, your trajectory doesn't invite what you're doing, what you're talking about, like being part of the church, um, just being a white guy from the South and in the, and, or even a, like a blue collar worker, right. you know, like all of those things are going against your enlightenment, so to speak. Yeah. Do you think that you have, and I know this is going to be hard to <laughs> answer, but do you think that there's something unique about your story or your upbringing that opened you up mm. to the things that you've been learning? Mm. I like I struggle with it when people come onto my TikTok and they say like, "Hey, you give me hope. You're so refreshing. Yeah. You're whatever." Because I I don't want to believe in my own specialness or exceptionalism, because I also don't want it to be unattainable. Like I maintain yeah. that anybody can do this work yeah. if, if they want to, if they have the resources, and and whatever barriers there are, we now have this app that is free 
that you and I are on that you, yep. you can at least find us. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I'm a willing, I'm willing to have a conversation with you if you're interested in unpacking your own shit. Yeah. And like, um, what I tell people sometimes is it's because I actually believed it. You know, when I think of this kingdom, whether you believe it's an actual place that is going to come or something that we're supposed to be part in making in the here and now, yeah. which is, which is where I lean. It's like, man, like the things that we're fighting over, that we're bickering over, that you are putting like, you know, this like Christian nationalism mentality. Like I, I can't square that with what yeah. I was taught growing up. Right. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. So, yes. So you believed it. Right. So, so you were open to this like movement. I mean, from our mm -hmm. experience as Pentecostals, the movements of the spirit, right? right? We're like the spirits moving you in a way where you're, you're actually that's beautiful about Pentecostalism where you're always sort of like readying your heart to be shift to like have a, a disruption. Right. You know, I, I saw someone when I first got on the app and then I started talking about my deconstruction that said, like, uh, those of us that are deconstructing are the revival that the church has been. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and and that resonated a lot with me because absolutely, if if there is going to be this spiritual movement where, where, you know, if we use the words of Jesus, there is no distinction. Yeah. Right. Then that is necessarily going to come from a place that is anti-racist, yeah. anti-capitalist, right. Yes. Anti-imperialist. Yes. And, and so it, it really just gives you a lot, a lot more context. Like for me, what happened is it's like, well, if the perspective I was given isn't working yeah. and that, and that leads to this thing that is, contradictory to what I believe, then there must be something I'm missing. And I mm. think that's like what made me open to uh, what my therapist would put out there. Right. Like I remember yeah. one time she said to me, um, cause I was like, you know, my ex was like, well, you have control issues. And I'm like, this doesn't look anything like I want it. Like I don't, you know, <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm a people pleaser. I give it yeah. to you all the time. I, whatever. And I couldn't wrap my head around it in my, in my, therapist uh Lashonda, she just said you know i have the hardest time with white men in particular getting them to see their control issues mm. and she was and she was like because literally everything around you is is structured in a way to tell you that you should be in charge that you should be in control and she was like so when you hear controlling you hear like forcing your way but that's yeah. not the only way we try to control that's not the only way we try to manipulate right yes. and then she's like even and then this is i think this is really the moment that started making me really see the system for what it is and she's like to where we even have other people's sacred mountains that your leaders have their face carved into as a reminder that this is ours that you should be in charge you should be up on the mountain right and for me, I was just like, oh, yeah, that is fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's, that's Completely. like, that's super messed up. That yeah. We literally just came over. This is somebody's sacred mountain. We yes. just carved our faces in it and we just leave it there. So messed up. And uh, as a reminder forever. But then we pretend wow. like we're like we're past it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like there's literally like this engineering marvel that is a monument to white supremacy and imperialism mm. Mm. so it's like like how in the world can we believe when this thing still stands and i don't know what the answer is like like in my brain i don't get too attached to things i'm like blow it up <laughs> like give yeah it, like give, give it back let let 
let indigenous people decide what to do with it. Yes. But it's but it's like literally just in the middle of our country as a symbol of what our country is. Yeah. And people go to it to visit it, to marvel at it. Yeah. And it's like and it's like you're marveling at white supremacy. Yeah. You're you're marveling at the machine. You're marveling, Absolutely. you know what I mean? Absolutely. 100%. I, I think that that your journey the way that you found yourself open to what LaShonda was saying mm -hmm. and what your ex-wife was saying, which I think is actually really pretty amazing that you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'm going to take this seriously, even though we're in the midst of a battle and I'm going to like, right, right. you know, like that's not typically how it goes. Like you took that seriously. Um, being willing to confront those things within yourself mm -hmm. is a rare quality. Mm -hmm. I wonder you know, as people, you know, we're both out there trying to educate, trying to be introspective and vulnerable as much as we can. You know, I don't share a lot of my personal life on TikTok. I think you might share a little bit more than I do, but you're just, you're doing it to invite other people along on the journey with you. Yeah, right. 100%. And so I guess I wonder in your travels on TikTok, have people come along guys, white guys and been like, all right, man. Yeah. Like walk with me through this. Cause yeah. I, cause I see it a little bit, but I, you know, and if, if you think to go this way, like what does resistance look like and how do you engage with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So we, um, so when I first got on, like, I would, I would like talk about a book that my therapist had me read and then people were like, you should start a book club. So I started uh, a discord mm. as you do, but yes. that, uh, <laughs> you know, Put that behind uh, a paywall and a Patreon, right? And it's like, okay, we'll have some levels. Well, and and to me, like, kind of naive me, it's just like, yeah, we'll just read a book together, right? Yeah. And then and then as that space evolved, went through some ups and downs, had people leave and come and go. Mm. It, it really forced me to be like, well, what do I want this space to be? And it's like, well, I really want to reach the other me's, and I'm I'm totally happy that other people find value. And if they do, that's great. And not yeah. taking that away from them. And so we went through like a restructuring of the space. And so now, like if you were to join the discord, it has like a tiered thing because we want people to be able to come in the door, but that community is important to us and safety yes. is important. Yes. So, so the way we have it structured now is the more you interact as a new person, you kind of unlock different levels of, of more personal topics that we can talk about. Right. Yeah. So, and oh, that, interesting. And that allows the dude who sort of gets it, but still mm. has a lot of resentment to come in and and to speak, to have a voice, to get feedback, but not just blow up the server with their <laughs> with their trauma. Right. Yeah. And and then in, in that first tier, we have like, you know, when you you, you kind of sign in and you pick, uh, are you a he him? Are you a they them? Are you yeah. a she her? Uh, are you part of LGBTQ? Are you uh, neurodivergent? You can be multiples, whatever. Yeah. And then, and then what we do is we encourage people like, hey, as you first step in the door, because because people will be coming in like I was when I was first on TikTok and I was a hot mess going through it, you know? <laughs> and it's like, keep that to your uh, affinity group, right? Yeah. Keep that there. And then we have this big chat. And then that, so that way it's kind of actually like, I remember, um, I think it was, I think it was mere Christianity. Hmm. Uh, I, mm, yeah, it's mere Christianity. I think like C.S. Lewis talks about there's the hall and then there's the rooms, hmm. right? 
And like in the halls where we come together, we break bread, we have the, but some of these conversations are for the halls. Yes. And absolutely. Yeah. And then the other intention for that, for guys in particular is that, Hey, it forces you to kind of have to learn to talk to other dudes about this shit. Mm. Right. And like, so, so, um, and we've had guys come and go, uh, one dude was really resistant. He would kind of, like, if he was in the main chat, we'd be like, Hey, why don't you take this over to us? Let's talk about it, man. Mm. And, um, and what we have done in the way that we structured, it, I was really proud and sad at the same time. Cause he ended up leaving, you know, mm. we could see his pain. We could see, uh, kind of the hurt that he was operating from. And a lot of us are like, Hey, we've even been there, Yeah. but he, but he couldn't break through that dissonance or come out of his own perspective enough. Yeah. And, and eventually because the community held the line of what is acceptable in these spaces and in the community, mm. he left, mm. he, he left on his own. He's like, you know what? This space is not for me. Mm. And that's true. I, I wish it was a perfect space for everybody. Yes. Right. And I, and I wish, but like, but it's kind of the, you know, like, are we going to let this person come in and continue to do the thing? So it was kind of getting to the point to where uh, some of the mods and I, we were like, Hey, do we ask him to leave? And then he left on his own. And yeah. like in the encouragement I gave to everybody in the discord, which is not, not a lot of people, but it's a good amount of people is like, Hey, like we function like we're supposed to, yeah. we, we invited, we gave space, we held space, we offered input, we offered whatever. But then when the line was crossed, we held our boundaries yeah. and didn't allow him to move past those boundaries, which then meant the only way for him to move was out. Wow. You know I mean? so. Wow. That's, that sounds like a pretty amazing space. And it, it is true that you, when you're in healing spaces, you always have to figure out, you know, is this space for everyone? Mm -hmm. And ultimately you find out it can't be, mm -hmm. you know, healing spaces are never really able to be for every single person you've got to figure out a way to make it about the particular people who resonate with this this thing you know they'd called it in community organizing we would do caucusing so mm. uh, i don't know if that's a term that you're familiar with or that you guys use but it would be like we would go the interfaith organization i was with we would have sort of the, the black pastors would go in one room and then the the, the rabbis would go in another and then the white pastors would be in their, our own. And then like we, we would all come together and people would share their thing. It was powerful stuff, yeah, yeah. but you can't do all of that sharing all together. Right. You've got to right. do it. You know, you, that, so that concept that you were talking about the hall and the rooms is really important. Yeah. Yeah. It was, so you learn that through mistakes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Cause at first it was kind of like um, a group thing and I'm not interested in being um a personality i'm not interested in being a guru uh i do think which is um, why you should be one <laughs> you know what's <laughs> what's funny is um i was helping a buddy work on his deck and a couple other guys came over um that i used to go to church with and one of the guys asked asked the question hey where are you going to church now mm. and i was like hey you know i actually have some issues with the church and then like and he's like no i want to hear it and this is a good dude we were very Good, like casual with each other we're like in that line between acquaintance and friend you know what i mean yeah like, yeah maybe a little <laughs> this way. and um he just goes like i was telling him it's like he goes it sounds like you should work for a church and i was like i would love to help yeah. a church work this stuff out yeah if they were willing and yeah. like and Oof. and and like that's that's where it gets really tough because similar to that guy in our discord is 
is like sometimes the dissonance is just so yeah it's powerful yeah it's very powerful and that's why i wonder you know you and i know on some level and this is not universal but and i've heard you talk about in one of your videos growing up you didn't feel like you resonated with this picture of what a man was Mm -hmm. I, i don't know if you said it exactly like that but i can resonate with that and um there's something about not fitting in that opens you up to that within church spaces the entire thing is about this is our space right and Mm -hmm. we know what's true and we know what's not true and so there is so much resistance you know i i've say this all the time i'm a person of faith i'm not a christian but i am a person of faith and so i've discovered that you know those institutional spaces don't house the kind of environment that would be open enough for what I would feel like safe to express. So I'm curious what your journey will look like with that. Um, You know, again, I'm a perfectionist. It doesn't take much to convince me that maybe I was wrong or that maybe I didn't know something because, because the, the double-edged sword of perfectionism is you are a perfectionist, but being a perfectionist is wrong. Right. So like, man, (laughs) Oh, that's, brutal sam so it's like uh it's like yeah i do know a lot of things but i'm not going to say that i know everything because i know that's wrong that i know everything because i know i don't know everything yeah and and in in stress right like that comes out in like lots of ways and and doesn't look pretty but when when i'm healthy when i'm regulated when i'm self-aware it's like sure i see that perspective and and it's been inviting in perspective that is made me a better learner yeah. and then therefore a better educator. And, yes. and it, and it's kind of like a weird circle in a little bit. Cause my mom, uh, ever since I was little, she was always like, I think you'd be a good teacher. You're good at explaining things. <laughs> and it's, That's and now, awesome. and now I just tell people I'm just leveraging my autism because I'm able to like, can, like I can take all the data that I have yeah. and, and I can take the perspective you're sharing with me and I can, I can find a through line for you and explain that to you. Yes. Right? yes. Um, and, and, and that's actually like when I had my first little kind of blow up on TikTok is I was explaining the concepts that my therapist was telling me. Yeah. And then and then people would be like, my therapist said that I didn't get it. And so then I would respond. Yeah. And be like, well, well, this is how I understand it. And then people would be like, that makes so much sense. You know? Yeah. And oh, then, that's um, so good. Yeah. You know, it's so funny how everyone, you know, I did therapy for years. I don't do it as consistently now. Um but it got me through, I'm alive because of my therapist. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everyone has their own, their therapist needs to be able to identify what's the thing. Like, what is the thing with this person? My therapist just needed to say to me, that's normal. Mm -hmm. What you're experiencing is normal. Mm -hmm. Trust yourself. I never learned that as a kid. Mm -hmm. That's the opposite of what you learned as a Christian, right? Right, right, right. Was there a key? for you was there like your your when your therapist like saw you that you felt like this they she gets me and this is the thing that helped me go down that path i think it was because she was so good well in in a way doing what i do for people on tiktok like taking their jumbled story yeah their jumbled idea their jumbled thought and being like it makes sense and then setting it in a context that makes sense yes right like and so even um uh, like some of the things like, like when, when she explained to me how our nervous system works and then she goes, and uh, one of the things she said that was super helpful and she goes, and our brains don't like knowing, 
So when we come across a feeling, and this this explains uh, the dissonance also that people run in, that white people run into when they're confronted with their whiteness. When we run into something that we don't know, that we don't understand, we have a feeling. Yeah. And if we can identify that feeling, our brains don't like knowing, like not knowing what's going on. Yeah. So our, right. So so our brains make up a story, and the story that our brains make up is going to be based on whatever has happened to us, like yes. whatever traumas we have, whatever groups we grew up in is and that again, like I said, at the beginning, like is going to start challenging the systems. Yeah. And so, and so she's like, you can probably see your own patterns. What do you do? Do you, when, you know, she explained like, are you fight or flight or you freeze and faint? And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't really do any. Cause I, I'm not super confrontational. I can be if I need to. And then um, she was like, well, instead of fighting, like, you know, fighting, think of fighting as closing the distance, going towards. And I was like, oh, mm. yeah, that's exactly what I do. I go I go towards the problem. And she's yeah. like, oh, so you, you're telling me you've been stuck in your fight or flight for a while now. And I'm like, OK, <laughs> you know, you know, and then she goes like, well, you know, like and I bet like you react in certain ways. Like, yeah, I typically do this. And she goes, does that look familiar? And I'm like my dad right oh, like you know that yes. sort of stuff and so as much as that stuff was hard to work through right like because it because you do confront you know in therapy terms your shadow right yeah. we do confront or try to confront our whiteness and yeah. it's not it's not great <laughs> it's not, not great at all and like but at the same time the freedom of hmm of no longer being stuck in my perspective, right? No, no longer being stuck in my patterns, having the autonomy to choose to do something different yeah. was a big deal. Yes. You know? And, yes. Yeah. Because you, you recognized the freedom that comes from like being, you know, truth is, is a sticky word, but the, mm -hmm. the confronting, you know, gently or however you need to do it, the thing that's the most real within you and not being afraid to go towards it and then not being afraid to name it, you know, like that, that brings so much freedom. Right. But when you talk this way, I don't know if you experienced this. I get called recently because I ended up, you know, on the conservative side of TikTok yeah, with my video, that. my videos did not me. I'm not right. like, and it's vitriolic. It's really, it's really intense. Mm -hmm. And I've been called gay, limp-wristed, you know, I bet you, you know, all the things that weak and at certain points in your process of like becoming a man, those are like the worst things that, right. uh, you know, a, a straight man, mm -hmm. um, those are like the worst things that someone can say to you. Right. I mean, they, I found them funny because it felt like these are like 12 year olds, like what? Right, right. But, well, um, that that tells me that in your own journey, you've been able to pull yourself away from rigidly clinging to that male identity of having to prove it to where when someone goes, hey, oh, here's another synth. It's just like, yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? Okay. It's like it, it's like a gnat farting. It's like <laughs> it's just like, OK. And and I, uh, you know, because on TikTok every 30 days you can change your name. So I just lean into it. So I just like uh, so I was beta dad for a while. <laughs> And then, uh, and so now, so now I'm Cynthia Simp Dad. Because you are? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's and, awesome. And I just like, it, and it's like, um, <laughs> your perspective of my masculinity matters more to you than it actually does to me. 100%. Because if anyone, like, 
you probably also hear this, like you're more manly. You're mm-hmm. more of a man when you're willing to confront your demons or lack of a, for lack of a better word, whatever's right. like that's scary stuff. Right. And like what you talked about with your dad, I don't know your relationship with your father, mm-hmm. um, but was that sort of making that connection a difficult yeah. one to make? Yeah. It, Cause I remember when my parents got divorced mm. um, and, and that's where with working with LaShonda, I realized like a lot of my patterns were like, I wasn't, uh, obviously I didn't at the time want to divorce my wife, but, but it was also a uh, 13 year old me not wanting his family to fall apart again. Mm. Right. Mm. And even explaining that, that um, like when I first like learned about it and I started to work on being like embodied, like present with my emotions and things like that, I described it to people as magic because it yeah. was, because it was, you know, and I know, but Lashana was also really good at explaining that there's actually a neurological process happening. So you're yeah. not making this up, yeah. right? It, you're, you're, when we talk about doing like inner child work and things like that, your inner child is a pattern that is trapped deep within inside your nervous mm. system. And that's the pattern that you go to. It is an actual thing. Now, am I actually communicating with me from, you know, well, damn, almost 25 years ago, right? Like, <laughs> like, I don't know if people want to entertain that and that helps them have context. That's fine. Yeah. But what I, but what I do know is I'm bringing peace and freedom and liberation to that wound that comes out when I feel something similar. Right. Yes. So when I, when I feel like my family's falling apart or I feel like I'm about to be abandoned, it's that that comes up. But now I know who that is. Mm. And, and one of the things that I, that I try to do with men I, um, is let them know uh, as they're kind of restructuring, as they're kind of deconstructing their identity, uh, they get scared because like masculinity, as we know it culturally is always a performance is always for other people. So the yeah. idea that it's actually for them is, is been unreal. And so one of the, mm. and it can be unnerving. I had a conversation, a private conversation with a mutual and uh, it was a good conversation and and he said something and I was like, you know, in the future, even though I've kind of got to this place with my own identity as a man to where I'm like, you can say what you want. Does it penetrate? It doesn't, it's whatever. Yeah. Um, but for other guys, they're not there yet. So yes. the, those attacks on their masculinity are hurtful and they do cause pain. So I'm going to try to be a little more sensitive and not kind of come across as, as like, Hey man, it just, it doesn't matter. The categories, fuck them. Right. Yeah. Yes. To, right. To that, to that dude who doesn't have anything else, it matters a lot. Yes. Even though, you know what I mean? And so one of the things uh, that I've done a few times is, is really just kind of like giving people the, the knowledge that my therapist has given me. And I, and I go, you know, when you get back to it, when you think about these things and like, it always goes to childhood and I go, well, who knows what that little boy needed? Yeah. And they're like, well, he needed da, 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 da. And they're, and they'll, they know. And then Mm. I go, you know what he needed. And then, and then what I'm trying to do there, which is what I had to do with myself is realize, oh, I always had me. Mm. Right. Like, and and that doesn't mean that I didn't have support. It doesn't mean I didn't have friends, even in the church. Like, uh, there, like I can think of all the people that were so kind and, and, and encouraging to me and, and shaped who I am as a person. Right. Yeah. They're all there. Uh, but at the same time, I was the person who took the advice. I was the person who listened to the advice. I was the person who chose those friends. 
And so what we try right. to do there or what mm. I try to do there is go like, you have always had you Love and that. you will, you will always have you mm. and you have always got yourself here. So give yourself some credit and it's okay to do that. Right. <laughs> and, and the reason that's counter is because you're no longer looking, well, I need this person to tell me I, I did a good job. I need this person. No, for me, it was going back to my 13 year old self when my parents were getting divorced and being, dude, I know exactly what you're going through. I know exactly how you feel. Mm. And that was the validation that released that trauma. Oh, And, and that validation came from me. Yes. But the we whole time, but all this time I've been looking for someone else to give me that validation. Yes. And you do discover that the only place that will actually m make change is when you are able to self-validate. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. like it doesn't really mean what you need it to when you think, you know, you're looking for it elsewhere. You know, I... I am always moved by someone who's willing to do for, you know, other people what they would want done to them, right? That's yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. And what do we- to others, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I see still to this day, you know, I have a son, I have a, a nine-year-old. I also have a daughter, 14-year-old and an old, older one, 23. Um, and my nine-year-old, though, I still see, like, I've seen examples of dads who talk to their sons in ways that it's clear they haven't done their own healing work, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. They're telling, they're they're shaming them publicly, they're, you know, crying is bad, all this. And it's just so painful to watch that I think having the space that you're creating uh, is so important because, you know, when people talk about white fragility and male fragility, it's real. Right, right. It, it's, it's. And I, I think in in people that aren't men, that aren't the me's that I'm trying to reach. And and those guys, they either join the Discord and we hang out, we chit chat. Uh, I've met one of them in real life. He's a cool dude. Or they're very quiet in my comments. And only every now and then are they like, bro, this helped me so much. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, but they they just kind of like follow because sometimes, sometimes other people will be like, Man, I wish men were in these comments. I was like, Well, the ones that aren't saying anything are the they're listening. That's what they're doing. They're going, yeah. oh man. And they're sitting with it. Right. <laughs> and so, so I do know there is an impact there. And I think the, on the other end of it for people uh, that aren't male folk, like it, like there's the opposite of where they go. Like, I never thought of that. I did not think about this from the male experience. Right. Yeah. Yes. And so, and so if we're trying to heal collectively from these institutions, from these systems, then necessarily going back to the idea of the halls in the, in the hall in the rooms is at some point, all the voices do need to be in the room yes. and we need to understand how the system has harmed all of us. Yes. And it is hard for people to believe that for the me and you whose, whose face is on the mountain, that we actually are harmed. Right. Yeah. And, and I saw a really good video the other day and I think, do, or no, actually it was today. The guys have to wrestle with, and they were, basically saying that we're not going to heal patriarchy by telling, like trying to convince men that they're harmed and that they can be liberated because within the system. And I think this is the dangling of the carrot that happens for white men in particular. Uh, you can still do most of the things you want to do, but you can do those things disconnected from your personhood, disconnected from empathy, disconnected yes. from self. Right. And so the point of that video was essentially like, men could go out and do whatever they want and then come home and be absolute shits. So if we're saying like, well, we need to dismantle the patriarchy and you'll be liberated. Well, we're given a certain amount of liberation already. We're given a certain amount yes. of 
privilege being the people with our face on the mountain. Yes. And so it's, it's really, hmm. but, and I don't think you make that journey until you cross through that, which is why sometimes the redis, uh, resistance when talking to men about misogyny is always playing the other. Well, what about the women? They should be held accountable. And it's like, but their face isn't on the mountain. It may be at the bottom somewhere, but their <sighs> face isn't on the mountain. You know what I mean? And so I, I think that's really powerful. I've always wondered what, what images will be helpful. You know, maybe it's the pastor in me. I don't know. I, you know, mm -hmm. but um, recently the stuff I've been engaging with that song that Oliver Anthony wrote, he says that the, that um, basically fat people are milking the system. Right. And I'm like, but in order to do the milking, you have to own the cow. Right. 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 Like That's so good, man. That's the, really good. the people that are receiving the milk aren't the problem. The people that are milking the system that own the cow are the problem. <laughs> but what you said also about men in the comments is, my experience of real life in community organizing and anti-racism workshops, men are either, we either, either talk way too much or we are completely silent and walk away with our tails between our legs, mm -hmm. you know? And there's, yeah. I'm, I'm curious if you have like a thought about why that might be. Yeah, I think it is because the way that uh, maleness, like the way that this cultural male identity is given to men, it's also given with the scripts, right? So we can tie this really easily to uh, evangelicalism, like, like in like there. Here's how you be in the evangelical. Here's what you say to this situation. Mm -hmm. Someone's going through a divorce. I'll pray for you. That's horrible. Have you thought, you know, and, and that's why so many of us that deconstructed have the same stories because we've been living and confronting the same script. We've heard yes. it our whole lives. Right. Yep. And it's the same with men. So they run into that dissonance and I, and it's reasonable to me that they wouldn't know what to say Yeah. because they haven't. And this is not a put down. This is said with, with empathy and sympathy because they haven't been able to form a thought from self that wasn't checked by, is this the right thing for a man to say? Is this the right thing for a, for me, for a white man to say, is this the right thing for a white Christian man to say? Mm. Right. Mm. And so, so all your thoughts have to be filtered through that. Yes. And that, that eventually gets you to where you, you don't have an original thought. And I'm mm. sure it happens in your videos. It, that I think it's one of the reasons that when you start deconstructing, you get so sensitive to the dog whistles because you literally hear people just repeating the script. Right. And, and that is uh, for me, I don't know your experience is both frustrating, but yeah. also I'm like, but that's where you're stuck. And man, yeah. and, and you know, you can't help if someone doesn't want to see their blinders and see that they're stuck, like you're, you're just not going to do it. And so no, like, that's where the, def that's where the deflection always happens. Well, yeah, I kind of see your point, but the women, yeah. and it's like, it's like, and, and, and I, I try to reach with those guys. Sometimes I'd be like, we're not saying women in patriarchy don't have a problem. We're not saying that white women don't have a problem. They do. Yeah. But we're, but we're here talking about you. Yeah. You. Oh. And, and I think that's even hard for guys to, I know it was hard for me. I'll tell you one, th I, I, I know I've talked about LaShonda a lot, but actually one of the things probably the most pivotal, pivotal. Now I'm thinking about it. She said, you know, uh, she, I'm not gonna put my ex's name out there. She said, your, your ex, your kids, friends. And then somewhere she put her hand like way down low and somewhere <laughs> Sam. Yeah. And I just want to bring him up, not even to the very top, but just maybe like four or five 
So he gets some of his needs met. And for me, that was powerful because someone considered me. But mm. I had also learned to never consider myself. And I think that's where most men are. Like the men that I talk to that aren't completely toxic, they feel disposable. They feel like a utility. They feel yeah. like they can be replaced. And it's like, and it's like, yeah, yeah. Because that's what capitalism told you to be. Yeah. But if capitalism is also giving you a relatively comfortable life, you may not realize that it's capitalism that's giving, you know what I mean? Yeah, if, right. If, 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 uh, if patriarchy is willing to portray you and me, white dudes, like uh, in media, mostly favorably, then, well, of course, we're not going to, we're not going to be able to work through that dissonance when everything around us is telling us the opposite. Yes. Right? Yes. And, th- and then we receive the messages of like, Hey, you're just making a big deal about it. Hey, toughen up. Hey, like the, the kind of typical things. Yeah. And I, and I, um, I don't know if you got to see the Barbie movie yet, but I've been I did. I loved it. It's yeah. great. Yeah. I've been talking a lot about the differences between the Kins and the Allens. Yes. And I, and I think me and you yeah. are, are probably Allens. I love Allens. Where, where it's like, Hey, I'm not about to throw a fit. I'm not about to abuse anybody. I'm not about to like tell women that they shouldn't wear certain things in public or whatever. But I'm still over here kind of like, I don't know exactly what my role is and what my place is. And I don't want to hurt anybody. And I don't know how to express my needs. And if you ask me to name a need, I can't even identify it because I got so good at not paying attention to them. Mm. And and I talk to those dudes all the time. Yeah. And then and then that's when like you like basically giving for free the tools that my therapist gave me. And it's like <laughs> <laughs> dude, dude, you got you. You can take care of this. Well, I don't know because blah, blah, blah. nope, nope. You actually do have the ability to do it, you know? And yeah, so that's where that's where like it, it's this weird thing with cultural masculinity because it it is so, so good. set and so confident with like no real power behind it. Like no, no it, it, because because then once Cause like you said earlier, like if we like real power to me is being able to push through dissonance. Yes. So like, if you can't do that and you're gonna, then you're essentially just hiding, right? You're just hiding behind the wall of dissonance and you're using the dissonance as your excuse and you're blaming the dissonance on other people. Yes. And instead of going, actually that dissonance is mine to own. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope this conversation inspired some new thoughts or questions within you. Until next time, peace, my friends.